Well, if you listen to the first episode, Baal, the God of the Jesuits, we went a long way to try to set up some of what we're getting to right now. And what we're getting to right now is probably the Bible study part, or not probably, it is the Bible study part. I'm not going to elaborate on each particular text that we give, and I'm certainly not going to flush everything out, but I want to give you enough at least to either do one of two things. A, have you studied the Bible on your own and history on your own? And or B, to remind you of what you already know and that in these end times, we need not be afraid of drawing the line. Now, let me simply say before we get into this, I don't think that we should fight brothers and sisters in Christ. I'm a Baptist and proud of it. But I'm not mad at Presbyterians. I'm not mad at Methodists. I'm not even mad at Charismatics that are true born-again Bible believers. But Catholicism is not Christianity. Catholicism is not even a false doctrine in the sense of misunderstanding Scripture, misapplying it, or misinterpreting it. Catholicism is, I believe, a spawn of Satan. It is demonic at best, vile, beyond anything we can imagine. The question is, is it something that just sprouted up out of nowhere? Or is it something that we see in seed, in reality, in the Bible? I believe the answer is the latter. It is clearly, without a doubt, connected to Baal worship, to Ashtoreth worship, that reaches all the way back even to Nimrod and Simranus. We start in the book of 1 Kings in chapter number 11. If you have a Bible, I'd ask you to take a look at it. If not, that's okay. I'll give you the references the best that I can. But do we see the Jesuits in the Bible or their forerunners? The answer, yes. In 1 1 Kings in chapter number 11, the Bible says in verse number 33, talking about the judgment here, that he was going to bring because, God says, that they have forsaken me and have worshipped Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and Chemosh, the god of the Moabites, and Milcom, the god of the children of Amnon, and have not walked in my ways to do that which is right in mine eyes and to keep my statutes and my judgments as David his father." Now, where did Ashtoreth come from? The Zidonians. What's so special about that? Well, the connection is not just the Zidonians and where that came from, but who would end up playing a prominent role from the Zidonians? In 1 Kings, in chapter number 16, verse 31, the Bible says, and it came to pass as if it had been a light thing, and he's talking about Ahab now, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the sons of Nebat, that he took to wife Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and worshipped and served Baal. The Zidonians, Ashtoreth, Baal, all connected around a woman, and that woman's name is Jezebel. That's not the last time in the Bible that Jezebel will crop up. In Revelation and chapter number 2, the Bible says, speaking of the church at Thyatira, notwithstanding I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants, to commit fornication, and to eat things sacrificed unto idols. You say, preacher, there's nobody around today that eats anything sacrificed to idols. Folks, every single Sunday morning, every single Mass, when that priest in the Latin 
performs his quote-unquote magical incantation called transubstantiation, transforming that bread, that wafer, into the body of Christ, supposedly, and that wine, supposedly, into the blood of Christ. He lifts it on high, almost always in front of an idol of Jesus Christ, which is not Jesus Christ, but a false image of the Antichrist. He lifts it there as a thing being sacrificed to a false god and a false goddess. A false god and caricature of Jesus and a false caricature and goddess of Mary. Allah, Nimrod, and Simranus, their child. Allah, Baal, and Ashtoreth. Jezebel, Ahab, Ashtoreth, Baal, the Zidonians, all connected there. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Luke if you have your Bible in front of you. Luke and chapter number 20. Luke chapter number 20, verse 46. Beware of the scribes which desire to walk about in long robes and love greetings in the market and the highest seats in the synagogue and the chief room at feasts. You know, those old priests and even still today, they love their robes, don't they? And not just regular robes. If you notice a priest, boy, they love that black robe that they used to wear during the reformation of course they're black suits now where does that come from well you might want to check out zephaniah chapter number one zephaniah chapter number one is a very interesting verse here in zephaniah chapter number one verse number four god says and i will stretch out mine hand upon judah and upon all the inhabitants of jerusalem and i will cut off the remnant of baal from this place and the name of the Kimmerims with the priests. Kimmerims is a Hebrew word translated there, which means idolatrous priests. It actually means a little bit more than that. It means black priests, priests in black, long-robed priests running around the Bible. Do we have those anywhere? What about in Luke chapter number 20, verse 47? I won't go back, but where it talks about that they love to make long prayers. What about Matthew chapter number 23? Matthew chapter number 23 and verse number 19. Again, I'm just giving you a lot of scripture here, but Matthew 23, verse number 19. Notice what the scripture says in Matthew 23, verse number, oh, let's see here, not 19, I'm sorry, verse number 9. The Bible says, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Do you know anybody who likes to be called father? What about Matthew 23, where it talks about how much they love the money? Matthew 23, verse number 16. Woe unto ye blind guides, whosoever shall swear by the temple, it is nothing. But whosoever shall swear by the gold of the temple, he is a debtor. What about when you look at the connections of worship? You have in Revelation, the woman, two, chapter 2, verse 20, chapter 17, verse 4. The images of Revelation, chapter number 13, verse 14. What are you faced with when you walk into a Catholic church? Woman worship and images. It is not about God and it is not about Jesus. Is it about, it's about Mary worship, plain and simple. There is no way to get around that. Let me quote from one of their leading theologians of time gone by. Father Pimble states it this way, quote, to beat or flagellate ourselves and offer each blow as a sacrifice to God through Mary, 
to carve with a knife the holy name of Mary on our chest, to cover ourselves decently at night so as not to offend the chaste gaze of Mary, to tell the Virgin you would be willing to offer her your place in heaven if she didn't have her own, to wish you had never been born or go to hell, if Mary had not been born, to never eat an apple as Mary had been kept from the mistake of tasting it. Father Barry, another man, very famous in the annals of Catholicism, wrote the following. Paradise opens through 100 devotions to the Mother of God. These practices are enough to assure our salvation. And if the devil, when we're about to die, makes claim on our souls, we just have to remind him that Mary is responsible for us and he must sort things out with her. What do you see in the Bible? Woman, Revelation 2.20, Revelation 17.4. Images, Revelation 13, 15. What about martyrs? No organization on the face of this earth is guilty of any more martyrs than the Catholic Church, whether that be directly through the Inquisitions or indirectly through communism and other of its sprouted spawn. Revelation 17, 6. What about no marriage? If you look in your Bible and you turn to 1 Timothy, I believe it is. 1 Timothy, and we'll look at it real quick. 1 Timothy chapter number 3. Paul expressly warns about this. I'm sorry, chapter number 4. 1 Timothy chapter number 4. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Ladies and gentlemen, that's what Catholicism is. It is a doctrine of the devil. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. Is that Mormons? Is that Jehovah's Witnesses? Is that Baptist? Is that Muslim? Who could that possibly be? Forbidding to marry. Oh, and don't forget, commanding to abstain from meats. We've got to have our fasts. We've got to have our certain things. What about loving to be bowed to and have their rings kissed? What about Mary, Queen of Heaven? Our Lady, Queen of Heaven. You ever seen any of those kind of things? Any of those kind of church buildings? I use the term church lightly. Well, look at, um, let's see here. Look at uh, Jeremiah chapter number 7, verse 18. The children gather wood and the fathers kindle a fire and the women knead their dough to make cakes to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out their drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. The queen of heaven is Mary, or is it Ishtar, which, by the way, is where we get the term Easter. Is it Ashtoreth? Look at Jeremiah in chapter number 44. Jeremiah in chapter number 44. In Jeremiah chapter number 44, verse 25, God is judging the children of Israel, and he says, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, saying, Ye and your wives have both spoken with your mouths. And fulfilled with your hands, saying, We will surely perform our vows that we have vowed to burn incense to the Queen of Heaven and to pour out our drink offerings unto her. Ye will surely accomplish your vows and surely perform your vows. You know, what's interesting is in your King James Bible, the Queen of Heaven is not capitalized. In the NIV, connected to the Dewey Rames, connected to Catholicism, well, they just can't help but giving honor to whom honor is due. 
What about Jeremiah chapter number 44, verse number 19? And when we burned incense to the queen of heaven and poured out our drink offerings unto her, did we make cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? What about Jeremiah 19? Same thing, uh, Jeremiah 44, verse 19, verse 18, verse 17. Asterisk, Ishtar, the connection is undeniable. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Judges. In Judges, you'll see this spirit, this philosophy, connected all the way back in the book of Judges. And in Judges, in chapter number 18, notice in Judges 8, I'm sorry, chapter 17, and there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. Verse 2, and he said unto his mother, the 1100 shekels of silver that were taken from thee about which thou cursest. And spakest of also in mine ears, Behold, the silver is with me. I took it. And his mother said, Blessed be thou, the Lord, my son. And when he had restored the eleven hundred shekels of silver to his mother, his mother said, I wholly dedicated the silver unto the Lord from my hand for my son to make a graven image and a molten image. Now, therefore, I will restore it unto thee. Yet he restored the money unto his mother, and his mother took two hundred shekels of silver and gave them to the founder, who made thereof a graven image and a molten image, and they were in the house of Micah. And what's interesting is, is you have two images there. They were in the house of Micah, a graven image and a molten image. Now, I could be wrong, but I don't think that I am. I'll tell you what I think they were. I think you have an image of Baal and an image of of Ashtoreth. I think you have a female deity and probably a son deity who is both husband and son as the ancient mystery Babylon, Nimrod, and Samranus were. But what I want you to see is, is that the, the Bible says in verse number nine, verse number eight, and the man departed out of the city of Bethlehem to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to Mount Ephraim to the house of Micah as he journeyed. And Micah said unto him, Whence whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest, and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by the year. A father and a priest. Notice verse 13, number 13 of Rebellion. Then said Micah, Now know I that the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite to my priest, whom he called a father. Hmm. Notice now, the idolatrous tribe of Dan connected with the Zidonians, one of the places where Jeroboam placed the golden calf, In Judges 18, verse 19, And they said unto him, that priest that we were just talking about, Hold thy peace, lay thy hand upon thy mouth, and go with us, and be to us a father and a priest. You see the connection? It's always been there. When you look at Catholicism and Jesuits, what are they connected with? The Catholics, uh, Catholicism in particularly, profoundly connected in three specific areas. Profoundly connected in three specific areas. Spiritual, education, political. 
Notice what the Bible says in Matthew 13, the number of rebellion, 33, a type of Christ, the rebellious Christ. Matthew 13, 33, another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a leaven, leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. Three measures, Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians, spiritual, educational, secular, political. It cannot be coincidence that God states, Jesus states specifically, in Revelation 2.6, that he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitans. You come over to chapter number 2, verse number 14, that he hates the doctrine. That doctrine transfers over into the woman, Jezebel. Then you find a dead church in chapter number 3. And right after that, or coming out of that dead church, is the Philadelphia age. And then you have the Laodicean age. So what I'm saying is, is that when you look at Jesuits, when you look at Catholicism, this is not something that sprouted up in the Reformation, and it's not something that some guy sitting somewhere with a tinfoil hat on goes, hey, I'm going to be mad at Catholics for a while. It is a dark, dark doctrine that reaches through the annals of time, back to Baal, back to Judges, back to the very Garden of Eden. Never forget, the whole issue with Satan is worship. The reason people take the mark of the beast or are forced to take the mark of the beast is worship. When Satan encountered Jesus, what did he want? Not a contest of power. Worship. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe one of the things you could be on the lookout for in the near future, I don't know, I could be wrong, but one of the things you could be on the lookout for in the near future is a Jewish pope connecting the two somehow. The next pope, I don't know. He might be in decrepit and ugly and nasty as the one that we have now. But I'm telling you, Catholicism is the seed of Satan. It is a doctrine of devils. And Jesuits, we are going to be surprised to find out how prolific they are in American politics, American education, American psychology, American government, American entertainment. Globally, they are one of the high echelon mechanisms by which the powers of darkness control this world. I'm, I'm, all I'm saying is we don't need to apologize for being anti-Catholic doctrine. It is not a kissing cousin. It is not somebody that we can build a bridge with. It is a spawn of Satan. It always has been, all the way back to the book of Judges, and it always will be, all the way through the tribulation period, until Jesus sets up his kingdom rightfully on the throne of David. God bless you. And until we meet again, be faithful.